Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Chocula, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndieCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. Greetings, guys, gals, non-binary pals. Uh, welcome once again to the IndieCast. Chad Allen, Zach Romero, both here with you today. Zach Bud, how you doing? Okay, I'm doing okay. Okay, you 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 sound sad now. Are you as everything all right? Did, I, did oh, you a- brother, let me tell you something. Experiencing burnout in a big bad way. I you know what? I I totally feel you on that one. I uh, I had a bit of an excuse actually for tomorrow. Uh, I there is something personal. I'm not going to go too deep into obviously in here that's going on tomorrow. Uh, so I took, uh, I actually took tomorrow off part as dealing with the situation I need to deal with, but also just as a mental health day. Cause I was, I can feel the burnout coming and I have another, uh, you know, my job starts up the next, uh, class I have to teach next, next big week. Cycle. And I was like, yeah. So I'm like, let me get a break in before the cycle kicks in. Cause then I'm not going to, I'm not going to see daylight for five weeks at least. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it occurred to me I've been feeling off all week, and uh, and then uh, third host of the the IndieCast, uh, Luna pointed out that especially with the tape side of things, I've been going basically nonstop since September. Yeah, because oh, we've Jesus, had so. three conventions back to back, and then um, had a huge sale uh, for my birthday, and so plus restocking Viper Video in Tampa, so basically nonstop since september but look on the bright side that means you're actually selling tapes though that you got so it's not like it's a, no that's uh, true that's true it's not just like banging my head against the wall for nothing but right it's one of those things of just like just, you know me you've known me for quite a long time now uh true that i typically am, am kind of johnny motivational uh in terms of like both working on a thousand projects all the time as well as motivating other people and blah 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 and just this whole week, I've just been like, Ugh. like I've got some orders I'm still like begrudgedly filling and and things like that. But like, Ugh. I was like, I don't know what's going on. And and that's when Luna kind of pointed out, like, well, uh, you've kind of been doing nothing but this since September, so maybe take a little break. And I'm like, that's a good right. idea. Um, but in contrast to that, I want to try something a little new here that I'm ripping off of another show. Okay. Uh, Let's share, without getting too deep into things, um, a recent small moment of joy. It doesn't have to be crazy. Just something that was like, yeah, okay. Just something, something at your everyday. I can, I can start if you'd like to have a minute. I actually have one if you want me to start. Yeah, I don't even have a professional. To well, you timed it beautifully on the uh, the timing for this because. Uh, legitimately just today, the reason, part of the other reason I'm fucking exhausted right now, uh, is because I left work, uh, in time to run home and pick up my youngest daughter and my roommate to rush back out to, uh, my eldest daughter's school because, uh, my eldest daughter decided kind of surprisingly to me for somebody who swore up and down, she'd never get on stage, um, to enter her school's, uh, talent show. Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, and she, um, she sang, which I, I know she likes to sing, but I never thought it would be something she would do in front of, there was probably close to 300 people there. Um, it was pretty packed little place there for it. And, uh, uh, she sang, um, I'm going to have to remember the name of the song again. It is, uh, I believe it's called soldier poet King. If I remember correctly. Interesting. Um, and it is a, uh, a very cool kind of almost, um, like, a, a, I would call it very like, uh, like a Celtic folk song kind of thing. Interesting. Um, but she, uh, she did a wonderful job and, uh, though she thought it went horribly because, uh, she takes after her dad who comes off the stage <laughs> and went, well, that performance sucked. Um, or, or every time daddy listens 
to the podcast and it's like, what am I doing? But, um, but no, I thought she did great. And I was the proudest, proudest dad in the world for that, like, you know, two minutes or two and a half minutes or however long the song is, um, watching her on stage performing, like really taking a moment to really kind of bust down some serious anxiety walls and do things that I, I never thought I would see her do. And she even said this evening before I uh, told her goodnight that, you know, hey, two months ago, I said I would never get on stage. I was just going to be a baker and hide away in the kitchen. And now here I am, like, on stage singing. And I'm like, yes, you are. Here you go. So do you um, think uh, her being a tech helped? I think it, I think maybe some of it was, yeah, getting to be backstage and seeing kind of the backstage side of the acting thing might have given her a little confidence that like, oh, a bunch of these people don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> they still are out here. I doing mean, it, that so. is the true, that is the true secret to stage. Right. That like. It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the, when, uh, what is it? When Banner is talking about, you know, turning into Hulk, it's like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. It's like, that's every actor's secret. We really don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just, it's just making it up as we go along for the, for hey, the man, most part. So that's life brother. Yeah. Like that's also true. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the true looking into the matrix is when you realize like, oh, no adults know what they're actually doing. It's right. just, you know, doing what you can and just sort of yes. Ending. Yeah, so so she yes handed it though. I was super proud of her. The other, uh, the I think the other highlight of the show for me is I guess one of her uh, good friends sang uh, a little after her, and her friend sang um, Paramore's uh, in, uh, "So Into You," and very nice. it's a very obviously a very popular song and things like that. And the uh, entire audience sang the chorus with her. So it That's became awesome. like, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really wild that like all these kids in the back were totally like singing along to the point where, um, we were in the front row and you could see the girl kind of look at Cheyenne with wide eyes. Like what is Congratulations, going on? You started a cult. She... Right. Exactly. So you, you've, uh, you found a song that gets people turned and they're, they're joining in with you on it. So. Uh, so no, it was very, very cool. So yeah, I, that was, uh, that was easily my moment of the, uh, of the evening tonight. So what's yours? What's your little, what's your little moment of a uh, moment of happiness? Uh, a lot less, uh, sentimental, uh, well, Luna, and okay. I, Luna and I were, uh, you know, out and about, and we found this new little restaurant, uh, that's like American dining, which just meant very, very white. Um, right. Caucasian but, food. Uh, but uh, we had some food. It was decent. And then we had a slice of cheesecake between us because they said, oh, it's from like a local bakery. It's not it's not like driven on a, on a Mack truck. It's like homemade, basically. Right. We're like, oh, shit. OK, holy Lord, the best slice of cheesecake I've ever had in my life. Amazing. It was light but dense. It was, we just got the plain one. They had some other flavors that I guess they rotate out, but like, holy shit. Um, and just sharing that moment with her and just, we're having some cheesecake and it's fucking awesome. I was just like, this is living, man. So that was, that's my little moment of joy. It was a really, Good. really great slice of cheesecake with my wife. It's amazing how little things like that mean as much as it does too. Like it, right? you feel like it shouldn't, but you know. Yeah, especially with like the yeah. thousand one things that are constantly happening. But yeah, no, that was it. I think Dennis Leary had a whole bit about like the best things in life are the little things. It's that, you know, eat the cookie, like whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so also still burnt out though. So that's not, let's not forget that. Um, yeah, no. And that's, I think that again, <laughs> brother, I think that's, I think that's all of us right now. I think that's just the, that's just this. That's just everything. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, so let's talk about uh, the past. So I posted uh, recently that this, uh, I think it's either this week or next week is the two year anniversary of a little project that we put together called the gimmick guide, mm -hmm. which was a long form discussion uh, that's broken up into uh, chapters on YouTube uh, where basically I sat down uh, 
Captain Aaron Nova was my co-host, and I basically just went through just sort of a State of the Union and, you know, PowerPoint basic presentation of what we felt at that time was vital to know about gimmicks and gimmicks in the sense of being a, a total package of a wrestler, having an entrance, a name, uh, a look, uh, merchandise, you know, the ability to connect to a crowd, basically all the components that when you put it together become something that like every show could use. And right. uh, at the very beginning of it, I even mentioned that, you know, we had, I say we, because obviously you were uh, on the ground floor of this. Uh, right. We kind of softened our, our overall philosophy about like who needs a gimmick in wrestling. Um, right. Because originally it was just sort of like, a, well, you know, wrestlers who don't really have a great grasp on themselves, you know, they they need gimmicks. Or like young wrestlers just starting need gimmicks. But by the right. time the gimmick guide was launched, the philosophy had become uh, every wrestler needs a gimmick. Yeah, you and need a gimmick too. Doesn't matter how long you've been wrestling, um, uh, how, you know, how successful or not successful you've been. It's everybody needs a gimmick. Um, and that doesn't mean be cartoony. It just means everybody needs a gimmick. And so I went back and actually listened to uh, most of it. And there was uh, some things I definitely agreed with still. Um, some yeah. things I kind of cringed at in terms of like certain name dropping and certain, you know, examples that I happened to just draw the air. I was like, Oh, that's not the greatest example now, but at the time it worked. Um, but yeah, no, I still think a lot of it stands up and I'm actually planning on sharing all the, the segments once again, Go just ahead. because I still think most of the information is spot on still, which sounds super self-serving and I'm not trying to be, uh, but I mean, like there are still a lot of universal thoughts and I quote from a ton of wrestlers. I name drop a bunch of wrestlers. Like we use a bunch of examples that we knew from doing the show for almost a decade. You know, the, there's a lot of really good information on there. And I've gotten actually some feedback now of some people, uh, Noah Vale mentioned like, oh yeah, I watched this, you know, front and back. And there's been a few others here and there that have jumped in and been like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I totally watched this. So I still think it has value. Um, and, and so what we want to do here is kind of, Go over it a little bit in retrospective, but mostly just sort of kind of update the ideas here about, you know, has anything changed about the gimmick guide in terms of our opinions on how gimmicks should work or or, or things along those lines, and um, and kind of do a little bit of an, an addendum, I guess, uh, to the gimmick guide and its original. And, you know, and I'll ask you a question I should probably end with, but I'm going to start with it uh, just to throw things off a little bit here. Do you think you would? re-record it or do like a re you know like gimmick guide revisited other than like what we're about to do right now do you think that would be something you would look into doing at a later time like uh like you know I, and i guess my best example for uh kind of what my picturing here is is like uh um elton brown did the the good eats reloaded episodes where mm -hmm. he went back and took some old episodes and then kind of corrected or adjusted or uh, things like that with them. Do you think you would do anything like that with the gimmick guide at all? Or would it have to just be completely like start over and re-record it? Let's, let's, you know, take two. No, I think, I think there's enough there that, yeah, I could probably do the Elton Brown gimmick. Um, I will be 100% honest with you. My only hesitation is I don't feel as closely connected to the wrestling scene these days. Okay. So I would feel a little self-conscious about that in terms of like, you know, fully gimmicked has changed and my role right. in wrestling has changed. Uh, so I would feel a little self-conscious about that. Although I do still feel like the advice is good. And I still, I still believe truly in my heart that the advice is still valid and still very useful. Um, it's just, uh, you know, initially when I first, did the gimmick guide officially, you know, online and filmed it and all that and streamed it with Reyes and, and Nova. I, there was initially some nervousness of like, well, who the hell am I to be doling out this information? But it was like, well, right. I mean, I help run a merchandise company. I've worked on a lot of shows and blah, 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 blah. Now I feel even more of that. of like, okay, but now really who the hell am I? Because like, you know, most of the young wrestlers in the scene now won't even know who the hell I am. So it's like, right. 
I have no, you know, bona fides that mean anything anymore. Um, so that would really only be, that would be the only hesitation on my part is it's like, I still believe that the information's relevant, but am I the right vessel for it? Am I going to be relevant in terms of like, you know, wrestlers actually listening to me as opposed to, you know, the summation being like, well, he used to kind of sort of be somebody a little bit, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't know, but I, I would, I, I would definitely take another look at it and take another crack at it. Um, I don't have any, you know, again, I, I, I still stand by what we did, but, um, right. I'm just not, my hands are not quite, you know, in deep with the wrestling scene these days. Right. And sometimes uh, I wonder if that would, if that, I mean, I think for, I think for some people, like you said, kind of taking it seriously, I could see where that could hinder, but sometimes I wonder if maybe not being so deep into it might actually help the, help the message a little bit, but I guess it would be hard, hard to say. So, um, but be that as it may. So obviously I think the first addendum we would add would be what we were talking about the last episode about including the audience in the story that you're telling. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In in the gimmick guide in its original form, I go into this big promo about what the importance of merchandise is. And not just in the terms of like, it could make you more money than if you just got your booking fee. But in terms of like, if you're really putting effort into wrestling, you're going to connect with people. And those people, by human nature, are going to want to support you in some way. Right. And so merchandise allows them to do that. Um so you're robbing them of that if you don't have good merch. And also they're basically advertising you at that point. And that's only going to help you in the long run in terms of getting your name out there and, you know, getting more people interested, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the, the roots of the same philosophy were there, but beyond just merchandise. Now it's the, Hey, by the way, when you're wrestling, you need to include the audience. You can't just go, I just hope I don't screw these moves up. Yeah, that's important, but you need to include the crowd. And so one thing I want to talk about is we, I went into a lot of detail in the original one about like entrances and like entrance music and, and, and how the entrance is the movie trailer for your match and all that good stuff. Um, which by the way, if you want to watch these and then maybe come back and listen to what the hell we're talking about now, you can just search the gimmick guide on YouTube and it pops right up. It's a whole playlist. Uh, but yeah, entrances, entrances, um, because thinking about the, including the audience and, and whatnot, um, got me thinking about entrances and in the guide we talk about as, uh, as it so aptly stemmed from this very show, uh, the best choice for entrance music is music that white people get turned to. Yeah. And I do still stand by that. But in addition to that, there is definitely a big, a big pressure of involve the audience in some way. And I think the, the, the example that jumps to my mind is, uh, Cha Cha Charlie. When we, when we were at uh, CCW in old town in Kissimmee, um, refresh the audience on, on that entrance. Uh, I, so I, I don't know what the song was or anything off the top of my head, but it was, uh, a, a catchy, uh, some sort of like Latin salsa t- tune. Yeah, like a cha-cha uh, kind of salsa sort of song. Yeah, but like the second that music kicked in and the second he came out and he's immediately dancing, he's immediately going around to, you know, all sides of the audience and having them get up and dance with him. He had some 90-year-old woman at one point that we were sure was going to lose a, you know, break a hip while trying to dance away, but she she made it out all right um but just like a immediate like reaction immediate connection immediate um, immediate energy as well energy right yeah it it was all of that and i know like on the gimmick guide i'm pretty sure you bring up um uh brutal bob evans right very similar situation like like the music is catchy. He's got them clapping along. He's immediately like he dove right into the audience when he, when he came out for the, the particular show we were talking about. Um, it, it's just that taking that moment to just like bring the audience into it. 
And and he Cha Cha Charlie even did the Rey Mysterio like I'm giving you part of my ring attire thing to a yeah. kid in the crowd. Yeah, his hat came off and right to that kid, and that ki- and that kid's going to be a fan of Cha Cha Charlie for for life. I mean, yes. there you know, as long as he's watching wrestling, he'll remember going to that one show and having Cha Cha Charlie come up to him. And you know what? I've been seeing a lot lately. I've been seeing a lot of. Um, even WWE talent who have started to make that kind of a thing. again. Like, obviously they're, they're going to bring the audience into it, but I've been seeing a lot of the wrestlers lately that are making sure they go to like ringside mm-hmm. and interact with the kids. Uh, Seth Rollins is amazing about that lately. Um, fucking Brock Lesnar has been really good about that. And Brock Lesnar was used to be the type of guy that would be like, come in, come out. But like seeing him lately, especially in like, you know, farmersonly.com Brock um, <laughs> coming out there and like putting his hat on the kids and, you know, coming up and talk to him and stuff is, you know, just shows that next level of engagement that, right. Other, that the guys on the indie scene should be looking at. Exactly. Um, because Brock doesn't have to do that. Seth doesn't no. have to do that. They're on TV every week. Right. You're an indie guy. This might be the first time the crowd's seen you. It might be the first time they've seen you in four months. Right. You have to remind them and make make it as easy as possible for the people to understand that you are the good guy or you are the bad guy. And not just in like a, oh, this town sucks kind of way, but in like a, right. hey, I'm, I'm, I'm helping out everybody by making the, everyone's job a lot easier by acknowledging, hey, I'm a real asshole. Right. And there are people that are absolutely excellent at that. Like they come out and just immediately find the quickest way to make the audience absolutely hate them. Or you'll get people that come out and do the exact opposite, just immediately find a way to make people absolutely love them. Um, and, and again, not to put over people we've talked about previously, but like August Atois comes out and people immediately hate him. Right. Dick Danger comes out, people immediately love him right. because they know how to come out there and make the audience give a shit one way or another. Exactly. Um, you're, you're, you're bringing them up to speed with what you already know about you as a character. Right. That's all it is. But, and entrances are a huge part of that. Um, absolutely. And one thing I don't think I brought up on the, uh, on the original uh gimmick guide is exits um now exit is not as i would say not as vital necessarily as the entrance but right it's absolutely part of it i remember um i believe ophidian was on the show once and mentioned that his favorite spot on the card was right before intermission because it was the perfect segue of Hey, the people love me. Guess what? Follow me out of the ring over to the merch right. table. Hey, so, good news. I've got merch here and right. And instead of having to wait for the end of the night and hope people will remember. Um, so I do think exits are important and they should also fit in your character. Meaning if you are, you know, an absolute squeaky baby face and, and you've never told a lie in your whole life, but when you lose, you go fuck and you like stomp away. That's not going to really fit right. with the whole painting that you're presenting here. Um, if you're the bad guy and you got your comeuppance, I say, you know, it, really any kind of loss in a match, I'm all in favor. Unless there is a storyline element where it's like, oh, my God, we got to take him to the hospital because of X, Y, Z. If it's just like you lost and hero guy is up, then I am always a fan of it's like being on stage, just exit stage left. Don't bring too, too much attention to yourself. You know, the other guy, it's his moment. Right. Uh, and we've talked on the show many, many times about how lingering a loss just to get sympathy applause is an absolute, uh, I don't know what's above a pet peeve, but it is whatever that is. That's one of them for me. Um, it drives me nuts because 99% of the time it's unjustified and it's just a right. manipulation tactic that doesn't apply oh, to whatever we're doing. 
But I mean, it's one thing. It's like, it, again, if it was like, oh my god, and then the next part of the story is the wrestler, you know, shattered their pelvic bone or something, or like shattered their eye socket, and that's why they got a blah blah blah, and oh, they can barely get up, and yada yada. Oh, we're feeling bad. And then the next month is going to be this and that. If it's telling a story, then absolutely slap that on there. But if it's just, I don't like that I got told I had to lose tonight. Too bad. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, again, I think exit can play a part. And I know that wasn't something I think we talked about in the original gimmick guide. Um, I don't believe so. No, but that, that I think also helps kind of, it's an ending credits thing. Like, you know, we want that, you know, breakfast club, Judd Nelson, fist pump, freeze frame. In the air. <laughs> yeah. We want that at the end of a good match. We don't want a lot of horse shit or a lot, or even the opposite of just like one, two, three, ding, ding, ding. Okay. And then both leave. Like, like it was an orgy and someone slapped the light on, like you don't have to run out, but you know, it's, it's, it should be a thing. And I think part of the reason why it is not taking time, like the winner doesn't schmooze with the crowd or whatever is because that is, that has the potential to be a painful reminder that you did not do a good job of involving the crowd and getting over. Right. Because if the crowd sat on their hands, your entire match, and then you win and you try to suddenly become the mayor and you're going to like slap everybody's hands and kiss every baby and all that. And the audience is like, they were not really interested. Then, you know, that's going to hurt. That's going to sting. Right. But I've seen people try to do it though. So it's like, Oh, I should probably interact now. It's like, no, you should have been interacting 10 minutes ago, but right. Right. The beginning and the middle would have really appreciated some of that interacting. Um, uh, by the way, I'd li- I would like to state for the record, uh, I usually leave the lights on during my orgy anyway. So oh, uh, very nice. Okay. Well, you want to see what's going on. I mean, that's like. I would imagine some people are self-conscious, but sure, that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I've given up. I've been doing theater too long. I gave up on self-conscious <laughs> a long time ago. So <laughs> That's the, the, the title of your autobiography. I was doing theater too long, so now I'm open and welcoming at the orgy. Uh, yeah, exactly been too much of a thespian now it's lights on during the orgy um anyways let that that's actually the title that might be the title of this episode lights on during the orgy that's uh, Uh, write that down um (laughs) so uh, what's another thing on your mind in terms of the gimmick guide or or even just not even calling back just if you had to dole out advice to young wrestlers on how to stand out what would your what would your advice be um We talked a lot about merch in the last one and obviously how to stand out on that instance. Um, well, now even merch is so much easier than it was because now there's right. so much of the like e-commerce kind of like, oh, you know, Shopify and all the printful and all that stuff. Like you can truly be independent if you wanted or, you know, you can hit your trolley to, you know, whatever all existing website or forum or whatever. Right. Though I would like to tell a lot of wrestlers that um, uh, fonts matter. This is true. Uh, this is look true. At the, look at the font you're using and really decide if that's the font you really want to use. Like, um, I saw somebody recently who put new merchandise up. I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to be mean about it. Uh, but they released a new shirt, and the the font is like the logo piece of it isn't bad, but the font is horrible. And I immediately made me go, well, I wouldn't wear that shirt. Um, Because that font's got awful. Uh, So that's one thing I kind of looked at there. It's like, you know, and and it seems silly, but it's it's true. You know, find a decent professional looking font. Don't be using something that could easily be confused for like comic sans or something like that that just that's true and also make sure that that your design really does match you because we've definitely had our fair share of wrestlers who have you know super intense looking merchandise when it's like yeah but you're a stuffed animal like that's your gimmick is that you're like right you're like a sweet little baby boy and yet you've got this like hard as shit shirt design that's like people are gonna feel like they've been gypped if they see that and then 
you know, they turn around and it's you that it's advertised. Be like, hey, wait a minute. Um, right. So, uh, I'm trying to think of other things that we may not have covered that uh, would be something we'd kind of want to bring back up again. But I would say, and, and this is going to be, I don't know, it's going to be tricky to discuss. There's a certain amount of, uh, again, I don't want this to be too, like, get off my lawn, but there's going to have to be a certain amount of yes-anding that you need to be prepared for in terms of uh, talents that you're going to be working with. And I don't mean that in, like, sometimes you got to wrestle kids that are untrained. Like, no, 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 no. But, like, intergender wrestling is a lot more common now than it was absolutely 15 years ago. And so if you, especially if you're just getting into wrestling, that's something you're probably going to need to think about is like, Hey, it's not going to be so unheard of to work a show where you're more masculine and you're fighting someone more feminine. It, it could, it, right. it, it's more than likely going to happen. So that stigma and that lack of wanting to kind of work that style is probably going to need to go to the wayside because right. A, it's probably going to happen a lot more than it used to. And B, the days of like, you know, you just being like, if you're, if you're, you know, male in this example and you're fighting a female, then you being like, you know, I'm going to show this bitch a lesson. Is that really going to fly in terms of like, I don't know, in in terms of unproblematic heat? Right. So you're going to need to find a balance there in terms of like wrestling anybody as an equal as long as it, you know, and and that's to say, you know, I know, I, I know for a fact that some of the feedback that I've gotten from wrestlers has been like, well, you know, if I'm a heavyweight and I'd be fighting like a, a, a featherweight guy wrestler, I wouldn't wrestle them as a total equal. Yeah, of course, make whatever the match that makes sense makes sense. But that doesn't mean to just discount, you know, fighting a different, you know, maybe like a non-binary person or or gender fluid or something. So, and thank you for beating me to that. I was just getting ready to say there is obviously more wrestlers out there nowadays that are coming up as non-binary or gender right. or gender fluid. And I feel like I hate to say that they fall into a similar category in that instance, but there are certain wrestlers that are going to make them fall into that, that similar category um, that they're not going to respect them for not necessarily being like, you know, William Regal's man's man character coming out. Right. Not conforming um, to certain, you know, but ideas. why, why should they have to conform to those like certain ideas? I, I right. guess is the, the question and that, that should still be respected and the like. So, yeah. And, and so I guess the point that we're trying to make here is, you know, especially if you're just starting out with in wrestling, the days of like, Whoa, I gotta fight them is like gone. You need to right. just kind of be a professional and be like, yeah, okay, let's let's make this happen. And you know, just make wrestling happen. That's that's the the, the whole point of this. Right. And so that's yeah, something and- we didn't get into the original one because we were just sort of getting into the, the thick of it in terms of you know, like you said, gender fluid and non-binary and you know, these other wonderful subcultures and, and things like that really becoming integrated in wrestling. So, right. And can I say that in the, it, and it's legitimately been two years. It, it's, it really makes me happy in two years time, how much the non-binary and the gender fluid and the LGBTQ wrestling scene. Yeah. Has, a, has really come into its own in the last couple of years. It's still not probably where a lot of people would like it to be. But no, I, I, I still I think, think we've got ways to go, but but I think looking from a couple of years ago, it's really an impressive step that's been taken, um, and I I hope that keeps and I hope that keeps up. Um, Agreed. So, because there's way too many great wrestlers that fall into that that I think are getting a shot now that even a couple of years ago they probably wouldn't have. 
Um, or would have been relegated to like a novelty. Right. Um, yeah, they would have definitely been the one novelty on the show and that, you know. Oh, they'll be that'll be our one LGBTQ wrestler and. Um, and and one thing that I've always found interesting as sort of a social experiment was when we had that uh, one punk show where every match except I think the main. Every match was intergender. Yeah. And we didn't advertise it as such. We didn't make a big deal out of it, but just every single match on the card was intergender. And the audience was a little confused at first. Right. But eventually got over it and was just like, yeah, it's a wrestling show. And I, I think that's really the attitude to take. Is, you know, there's heroes, there's villains. It doesn't really matter the shapes and sizes. And we're here to tell stories. Right. And that's another thing. A lot of people, I think, need to remember. And um, uh, I, I hate to quote this person, but I, I'm going to because they do make they uh, made a good point in a video that I watch every once in a while. It's um, uh, in Philadelphia, I guess they do something that was akin to like TED Talks. Um, okay. Oh, called, yes, yes, called yes. Ignite Philly. And uh, one of the people that talked was Mike Quackenbush, who at the time that he filmed, that this was filmed, was running Chikara. Um, now, obviously, he's been canceled and all sorts of stuff with that. Chikara's dead, but still, like, the, the, the crux of what he says is correct. He talks about, like, why does wrestling need to, con- you know, be consistently viewed through the lens of sport? When it can be viewed through the lens of a comic book or an action movie or a horror movie or, you know, something else like that. It doesn't need to be consistently, like, viewed through that sports lens. And quite honestly, I think a lot of times, because it's viewed through the sports lens, that tends to hurt wrestling more than it helps it. Um, But maybe that's that's just me. But... I mean, it, that's a that's an interesting road to walk down because you know the being viewed as a sport is kind of what brought us to the dance in the first place, right? But I mean, you and I both refer to wrestling more as a performance art than anything else, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea, um, because it's really a case of, you know, what are we really doing? You know, what right. what is what is what are we really enjoying together what are we really experiencing here is it really a sport or is it basically like you know live theater um right i don't think that all wrestlers would be on board with that i think there's some that are still you know really holding on to this is a sport and i'm an athlete and that's the end of it which is fine right. but i think there's certainly an element there that we need to kind of think about so I guess another question here to discuss is, is there anything pop culturally that, are there any pop culture wells or any wells in general that have been dried in terms of ideas for gimmicks and characters and things along those lines? Because obviously the main factor of a gimmick is like, oh, just take, some element of your own individual person and turn it to 11. But for others, it doesn't play like that. Some others right. are just like, Hey, I'm just going to take like, this is the, I'm this character and I transformed it into my own thing. Um, are there any elements, any, like, do you think like TV shows, like TV characters are done? Everything, every character has already been done, you know, move on to something else or, or anything you know, big budget. I don't know. Is there anything that you're that you can think of that maybe you could point to as like, oh, people probably took a lot from this, and th- that time is done. Yeah, actually, you know what the funny part is. You know what I, you know what I truly think it is. I think too many wrestlers take things from wrestling. Oh, interesting. I think it's the exact opposite of what you're what you're. I see where you're going with that. No, I think you I think you might be onto something though. If, I I wish that wrestling would um 
take a look more at bringing in some of the pop culture things that aren't wrestling, um, that aren't wrestling related and kind of try to bring it in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know why with how big Marvel has been, why there hasn't been more almost like superhero characters. They haven't True. Done, done anything like that with how big, um, like I, I'm trying to think of like, uh, you know, a game of Thrones and house of dragon was the big thing. Where's like, Let's bring in a medieval character. I can only think of one like kind of medievally character right now that would even fit with that. Mm-hmm. And it's that uh, Sir Merrick Donovan. Right. Who does kind of a knight, a, a knight gimmick. But like, why isn't there, why isn't there more people kind of trying to go that route? Or at least like making an homage to something like that. Where is the, you know, where are the people that are like doing the, like the you know like the a night's watch character where's the you know well it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because we've been in such a golden age of television again you know yeah. like there's been so many shows that have just been absolute like just killing awards and it, oh my god it's fine art and blah 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 and yet you know it's still not being utilized in that way um but to kind of circle back a little bit you mentioning that like wrestling itself has been (laughs) been sucked dry in terms of you know creativity and and you know recycling ideas let's talk about that just a little bit more in terms of what we're talking about here and and for me it means like Oh, I'm this generation's Arn Anderson. Right. Or, oh, I'm this generation's, you know, Rob Van Dam or whatever. Right. Um, that sort of idea, that shorthand of like, oh, I'm basically just going to be this character again. Right. And I know Jim Cornette has talked about before that, like, you can kind of, there's usually like a seven year kind of grace period in terms of wrestling ideas that you can utilize again. But for me, I've always thought of that in terms of like stories. I've always thought about that in terms of like, you know, yeah, we kind of did a similar story to this seven years ago, but enough time has passed that, you know, we can kind of come back to it again sort of thing. Um, That's what I've always thought of it as not like, oh yeah, you can do another CM Punk. Like, no, that's, I don't think he means that way. I mean, maybe he does. Um, But yeah, I'm just thinking about that in terms of like your starting point here of, it feels like, you know, the time of, hey, I'm basically just the 2023 version of Blair should be over. Because, right. and really it's because of the internet. Like, in the olden territory days, you could just be, hey, I'm, you know, South Dakota's version of Playboy Buddy Rogers, and that was fine because the actual Buddy Rogers didn't even know you existed. Right now, it's like if you're, you know, the independent wrestling version of, I don't know, uh, Ted DiBiase. A, Ted DiBiase might fucking find out about it. And B, the internet exists and everything is on it forever. So people are going to have a better chance of figuring that out. Right. Of like, oh, hey, you're just ripping off old Ted DiBiase bits or whatever. And by the way, actually, and I'm glad you kind of used that, used Ted DiBiase as an example. Um, It makes me crazy when you have people that are the independent version of somebody like Ted DiBiase. Because let's be honest, you don't have the bankroll needed to really make a gimmick like that pull off. And Mm. I think sometimes people need to realize that Hey, I get sometimes you want to do a particular gimmick, but sometimes a gimmick works because it's got like the WWE machine behind it. Interesting. Um, Okay. Like, I feel like every person that tries to be like, I'm the super rich and wealthy, like million dollar man type of character. And you're wrestling in the end of you're wrestling in like a bingo hall or a high school 
Right. Or like, if you have that much money, why would you be doing that? That's you true. Yeah. That does kind of call into question. You, you'd be, you'd work your way into WWE. You'd use that influence to work your way into the WWE. Not, you know, not podunk wrestling in the middle of, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. There's, there's a certain amount of suspending disbelief. Right. And then it's like, okay, but yeah, if you were, you know, if your character is, Hey, I'm a big celebrity and it's like, well, no, you're not because you're, right. I've never heard of you. Like that's right. yeah. I get your point that there are or some another... finish your thought. No, another one that's, uh, that always gets me is like the, also like the, um, Oh, I'm the independent scenes undertaker. <laughs> right. Nope. No, you're not. You're somebody that picked up some stuff at, you know, hey, you're, the, you're cosplaying the Halloween, as the Undertaker. The Halloween, the Halloween store when it was open back in like August and September and October, and you're putting together like your gothy type of thing now. Well, especially if you're not, if you're not really portraying that gimmick, because like right. you could be a blank 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 kind of version of the undertaker fill in whatever that at its core i don't have a problem with but it's the like oh i dressed up as the undertaker and now that's going to get me over right well no you need something a little bit more substantial than just that right so because i've seen guys who are like oh i'm basically just dressed as Shawn michaels and like you kind of get the picture and it's like yeah but Shawn michaels was really good like, right. And that's why he's Shawn Michaels and you're whoever you are. Right. Um, I don't have a problem with homages necessarily. Like if somebody's like, oh, these are my Triple H tights because I liked Triple H a lot. So this is like the color scheme or whatever. It's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, but like there are some people that just basically try to like, you know, do the Sam's Club version of the same gimmick. Right. I'm the and, great value brand, The Rock. Right. Right. Or the great value brand, Shawn Michaels. Lord knows we've seen enough of those, you know, playing around. It's like, oh, I'm the sexiest man in the building. And like, congratulations. Look where you're at right now. Is that really a, is that really, really that a bragging point? One of those a, things. I don't have a specific example in mind, but I've seen this come up before in like social media posts that unless unless you're being meta enough to suggest that like the punchline to your character is that you are the sexiest man alive but you're actually fugly and right. that's the punchline that's fine but if you are honestly having the villain gimmick of like I'm basically Rick Rude 2023 and you are like an average looking guy at best. Right. What are we doing? Right. Like we all laugh at Rick Rude. Like, ah, that was so like ridiculous and so very eighties, but the man was jacked to the gills yeah. and had a fucking porno stash. Like you wouldn't believe. Oh, like, absolutely. You can absolutely buy, especially with how fashion trends are now. If you, if there's a photo floating out there of like prime Rick Rude in like, some mom jeans and a fucking like cool shirt girl you, girls would be slipping on themselves every man woman other everyone would be slipping on themselves right looking at a picture of that because rick rude had it so it's like that's why he could be rick rude it wasn't right. like he was like a guy and like oh well you know bastion booger wasn't fucking going around being like i'm basically rick rude like right that you know there but, there's a difference again, they- but there were people that were doing that. Like I could go way back to um, Playboy Buddy Rose back in the day, who was like, you know, at one point in his career was probably something like three hundred and forty pounds, mm-hmm. and was still like, like, oh, I'm attractive, and I use my special, you know, my special diet, and would make the announcers announce him in at like two thirty five. Um, right, but that's going through the motions of like this is part of like we're building a thing here. Right. Because now he's given the he's given the reins to if he's ever working with somebody and you know Buddy Rogers is is a heel here, 
you know, then the the face could be like, yeah, shut up, fatty, or whatever, and then he ah, right. like that. You know, you've built a whole gimmick now around this concept of like, oh, I still got, I'm still hot, and it's like, right. well, you're maybe not in your prime anymore, buddy. Right. You know that there there was thought there. I don't think in his heart of hearts he was like still a heartthrob, still the best looking body in wrestling, and everybody can suck it. Like I'm yeah. sure he probably had the self awareness to be like, eh, I'm not in the gym as hard as I used to. Yeah, exactly. okay, fine. But like, evolve with that. Evolve with your body changing. Um, don't just stick to something because it's like, ah, oh, that's all I do. You know, you you can change over. Now here's a question for you, and this is something that I've been kind of kicking around in my brain, is. Do you feel like there is still an option for multiple gimmicks in the current indie scene? If you're not, if you're still in like the, the, the big waters of independent wrestling, meaning um, I'm trying to think of an example here. Uh, okay. So Luigi Primo gets booked everywhere. He just did a tour in Japan. Cool. If Luigi Primo was like, hey, for this one company, I'm going to be baby D Malenko. I'd be like, hey, man, don't fucking bother. Like, right. everybody knows you're Luigi Primo. You're Luigi Primo. You've been on TV. But if I'm just like, hey, I'm just guy starting out. And wrestling company A wants me as a face. And wrestling company B, which is completely unrelated, wants me as a heel. Do you think that there's still the option or that it would make sense to try to have multiple gimmicks in that case? I think if you're new, I, I don't necessarily have an issue with it, but because you may start to kind of prod your way through those gimmicks and find things that work for work for both or work well, or maybe you can combine the you know you can find the happy medium in that instance so i don't think that would be a big deal but yeah if i think if you're somebody like like luigi primo just use an example who's now fairly recognizable for the you know i make it the best pizza gimmick um if he were to go baby dean malenko now yeah that would everybody would be like what's he do is he is he feeling okay what's he doing right. <laughs> um, flintstone logic did he bonk his head right so which don't get me wrong, like if you ran an angle where Luigi Primo bonked his head and then suddenly turned <laughs> into me yeah. doing Malenko, then, then you, might have some, you might have something there. But yeah. like, well, and and the reason I ask is because of the internet. So like, I picture okay, I'm picturing myself. I'm a wrestler. Um, I hopefully came up with something interesting, but I really only have I don't have a character that works as both a heel and a babyface. So right. This show this month, I'm going to be a baby face and the show next month, I'm going to be heel. Um, I filmed a promo for wrestling company a, where I was a face. I filmed a promo for company B where I have like a totally different outfit and I'm definitely a heel. And I released them both to my social medias. Is that confusing to the audience or is the audience smart enough to be like, Oh, he's wearing the Navy blue tights. That means he's a real rat bastard. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think if you've got some, like, serious wrestling nerds like us, we like we might get it. But I think for the casual, it would, conf it would confuse the shit out of them. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't know if, like... I'm trying to think of somebody as a decent example, but, like, I, I don't know if, like, as a wrestler, you can be, like, a real rat bastard in one company... And well, but then again, like I just put over Eddie Torres last week for being an amazing heel at one place and a complete good guy in the other. But the uh, the thing about that is ultimately though, the, the gimmick doesn't change. Right. Like, so then maybe, you know, I guess if you are comfortable enough in your gimmick that you feel like you can see the bad guy side and the good guy side of it. And play it out that way. I, maybe, maybe it's probably work. the ideal. I think is what you're landing on. Is like the ideal situation would be come up with a character that's versatile enough that right. if 
company A says you got to be like this and company like company A says we need the crowd to cheer you and company B says we need the, the crowd to hate you. You right. need to have a character or you need to have enough thought put into the character that you can reasonably do both. Well, right. um, because I do feel like although the nuts and bolts of it, I think would be easier if you were just like, these are just two completely different characters. Um, I do feel like advertising and really promoting yourself would be not impossible, but at, at that, at that point you almost have to make two different profiles, two different social medias, right? You know, almost in that case, um, which might be a lot to ask. Um, yeah. And and then, you know, eventually it's like, well, I'm getting more bookings as a face than a heel. So I guess the face is where I'm landing, you know, that kind of thing. Right, exactly. But it doesn't solve the problem of, of initially, which is, hey, you know, what do I do if I've got a character that really works as a face? Like, what if some company loses their mind and they book Dick Danger and they're like, you got to be a heel? Like, that's that's a tall order because he is born and bred a hero. Right. There are um, some people that I don't I don't think you could look at them and do that. Like, um, and I think the prime, like, hey, best baby face ever never played a bad guy that we could think of is somebody like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's true. I, I just don't see you being able to go in and say, Hey, you're the bad guy this week. I just don't think people would buy it. There are just certain people that have that je ne sais quoi that like you just can't see them being a good guy or you can't see them being a bad guy. They're just, that's who they are. Like, so I don't know. That's a, it's not just because, you know, like you said, there's what you brought up is the, the reality of the situation, which is it's a lot more common for a wrestler to be booked one way in one company and then booked another way you know company a is this way company b is that way right but they don't have they don't have the chops for or they don't have the depth of character to go like oh yeah i'll play it this way and i'll play it this way and so instead what right. happens is oh i'm a rat bastard at these three companies but for these two companies i wrestle the same but i say come on when i come through the curtain right and that's what i'm trying to avoid is i'm trying to avoid that of like Oh, you want to be a heel and you're sticking with a heel. Uh, cause even Nova said on the, the original gimmick guide that playing a heel is a lot easier. Um, right. that, you know, the, the, the folly of, well, all I really know is how to play a heel. So it's just going to be a heel. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, let's go. And hopefully that's enough. Um, because that's the other thing too, is the gimmick. Uh, the, the thing about gimmicks is, once you've got one, you, in the back of your mind, you're really starting to hope that everybody else is going to have one. Because right. if, if you're going to play it that way of like, well, I'm really just a heel, then you better hope to God that whoever they put you against is a bigger bastard. And then you can just be your regular sneaky self, but by default, it's going to look better than the absolute rat bastard that you're fighting. Right. That's how, you know, how did the corporate champ rock become a face? Shane McMahon right. double crossed him for no reason and was a real piece of shit. And it's like, all right, well now the rock's doing the regular rock shit that he was doing a month ago that he was getting booed for. And now he's getting cheered for because what a bastard Shane McMahon is. Right. I don't know. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I think it's like the people that can kind of do both are the ones that definitely get it though. I think those are the ones that can. Yeah, that's the level of of confidence and and capability you want in a in a gimmick is to, that you could play right. it anyway. You could play it as a singles. You could play it as a tag team. You could play it in a rumble. You could play a heel, a face, uh, you know, whatever you want to have that versatility yeah. and not just be like, hey, I'm gonna wrestle. I wrestle, and uh, if the crowd cheers, great. You know that you yeah. don't want you don't want to just fall back to that. So, any kind of closing thoughts you've got here for? this sort of reimagining of the gimmick guy here, anything else that's kind of sticking in your craw or something that you wish you could magically tell every wrestler starting out. Um, have fun, have fun with it. 
that might be the biggest thing. Man, Jesus Christ, do some people take this shit way too seriously. Um, <laughs> like, and I've seen it recently even. It's like, yeah, God, and I think I saw somebody just today on Facebook put up something. It's like, hey, we're play fighting in our special underwear. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't take it so damn seriously. And I think that's a thousand percent the case. Like, you got to remember you're, you're out there to enter entertain. It's, it's supposed to be, I know you like, you know, there's danger and you could be hurting yourselves and things like that. I, and I get and appreciate that, but ultimately the whole idea of why you're out there is to entertain an audience. So remember the audience is there and go out and entertain them. Don't just worry about having a good match that like, Hey, when you get to the back, the, you're going to get a standing O and the, the, locker room that's not the standing ovation that matters get the audience to jump up on their feet and then go from there yeah because um, for the most probably... part the locker room standing o didn't pay to get there right exactly like, the, the the audience did and i mean then that's that's that would be my piece of advice as well would be like you know if you're having a hard time including the audience or something along those lines practice with your friends Practice with, right. you know, you know, if you're training, if you're wrestling and you're training, doing just like free roaming ring kind of thing. And, you know, your teachers aren't there and you're just sort of like practicing the moves and stuff. Work on trying that then and there, like start trying to, right. you know, make your friends laugh or, 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 you know, try something that's going to make him go, Ooh, you know, whatever, like do start practicing it just like you'd practice your wrestling moves because more and more we're finding that the people who do get that element are the ones that are getting the kind of opportunities that everyone's looking for. And the ones that are just like, Hey, I'm just wrestling. And that's it are usually being left behind. Right. Um, so that's that, you know, get those reps in when you can, it's just like anything else you're working on. It's just practice. Or um, I've worked with a couple of wrestlers recently where it was like, start challenging yourself in that way. Be like, okay, I got a match. I know the guy I'm fighting. We got 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this and this and this move and we're going home with this, but I'm going to make it a challenge that three times in this match, I'm going to call to the crowd. I'm going to involve the crowd in a move I'm about to do, or I'm going to say something to the crowd three different times. And then you just start from there. You start building. It doesn't have to happen all at once, but it's just one of those things of like really be cognizant of it and start really challenging yourself to be like, all right. And then once you get three, then it's like, all right, it's five or it's three. And then like a really good entrance or, you know, something like that, where it's like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to make the entrance, the biggest pop of the show, like whatever, just, you really got to start thinking in those terms. In addition to, man, I'm going to really hit this cool clothesline. Everyone's going to shit. Like you really gotta, you gotta bring that up as well. And also everybody, um, stopping your feet to get the audience clapping is not involving the audience. You yes, got, you got to do more than that. I that's, mean, it is, but it. it's not what not what we're talking about. That's not going to cut it. So yeah, stomping, saying "come on," make some noise. You know, right. all those things are is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about genuine, like character related things that is interaction gonna in, interact with the crowd. All right, so there well, you Zach go. Carrera, what, uh, what shit do you have to get in real quick here as we Nothing. wrap this Don't fucking ask me for anything. Don't fucking, <laughs> don't buy anything Good. from me. Don't do shit. Uh, we'll be Good. doing Give a convention. A yeah, we'll be doing a convention soon enough, and I'll be stressed all over again. But fuck everything. I'm burnt out, and I'm just going to kind of fart around. Oh, I will plug this. If you have, um like, a smart TV or a fire stick or any of the, that bullshit, um, there's usually a free channel called Pluto TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of like a free, just sort of, um, not on demand television service where it's got like a bajillion channels and it's got movie yeah. channels and all that shit. Uh, there's a mystery science theater channel on there for free. There is. Yes. And, uh, you know, they play all kinds of classic episodes and da 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 da. Well, it just so happened that this week they, uh, launched, uh, new episodes on that channel. Oh, very cool. As in season 13, which is previously behind a paywall. Uh, they've launched the new Great. episodes on the Pluto TV, Mr. Science theater channel. So I have not seen any of them yet. I know there's a new Santo movie that they do. Uh, nice. there's all kinds of crazy shit. And there's like, 
Uh, Joel Robinson came back to host some shows. Jonah's still hosting some. There's a female host on a few of them. So I've, I've heard a lot of good things about the, the female host. Yes. So, so. Um, Pluto TV, it's free. It's very good. Um, if you want to watch a lot of <laughs> Hell's Kitchen, you can do that. There's a whole Gordon Ramsay channel. Um, but uh, but yeah, so the the new episodes of Mr. Sense Theater are dropped. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely watch some of those and not fucking make anything. Good. Well, for me, I might make a TikTok or two. But other than that, uh, at Indycast, I N D Y K A S T. Unless you are on the aforementioned TikTok, and that is uh, at Indycast Maximus. Uh, please follow us on all social media. Buy our merch on fullygimmicked.com. Uh, uh, it is uh, still up there with a bunch of really cool. Uh, Bunch of really cool stuff. Uh, one American dad asked Jesse Long is constantly designing new WNRN stuff. So uh, check out whatever he's thrown up there recently. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else today, bud. So Good. don't uh, ask us for shit. Uh, yeah, don't ask us for shit. Other than uh, <laughs> subscribe, listen to subscribe to us, listen to this. And uh, well, uh, until uh, next time, everybody, uh, I am as always. Oculus Maximus. I am default podcast host. And until next time, everybody, we always say this is. Hope I don't poop today. Hercules Mulligan. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you <laughs> fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners, touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.